0: Welcome to Leading into the Unknown, a podcast by SY Partners featuring stories from leaders we admire about creating the path forward in complex times. Hey everyone, I'm super excited today because I'm joined by Kelly Peters. Uh, Kelly is the co-founder and CEO of BE Works, which is the world's first management consulting company that is dedicated to bringing scientific thinking into business strategy and marketing and operations. Just so you have a little picture of, of Kelly, if you can imagine kind of stuffing uh, a scientist and an economist and a quirky Canadian and a behavioral expert and a lot of sense of humor and great energy and great shoes into a particle accelerator, out would emerge this dynamite lady who has built an extraordinary company that is going to teach us all about a different way in which we ought to be both designing our lives and designing our organizations and, in fact, society at large. Kelly, welcome so much. My pleasure. <laughs> Hope you didn't mind that slightly wacky introduction for you.
1: Uh, it's, but, it's, uh, it's it's suitable.
0: <laughs> you, but you are quite, you're quite extraordinary. I guess when was the first time you felt you were a leader?
1: I don't see it as something that I've ever volunteered for. And often, I think that some of our strongest leaders are the last people who would, you know, describe themselves as that. I think I'm more suited to being described as somebody who had just an irrational passion for something. And most people were much more sensible and sober about the whole thing. And they would get out of the way of the inordinate amount of time and energy that I would devote to something and just by sheer fact that they would get out of the way would would lead me to be the one pushing things ahead or or leading the charge. So irrational passion I think is is really a a more characteristic description of, uh, of how I've ended up leading things.
0: Love that. So let's get to the heart of the matter. What is behavioral economics and why should our listeners care?
1: You know, behavioral economics just has so much to offer organizations. And those things include a whole body of knowledge about how people make decisions that go significantly beyond what we've relied on in the past. So much of, of what we've relied on in the past in terms of developing our strategies, you know, what products will people buy, what services will they use, you know, how do we optimize which channels they're using to both maximize profitability while not only not sacrificing people's perception of the experience, but maybe even making it better. And what behavioral economics does is it gives us a lot more information than what we've traditionally relied on through focus groups, where there's so much bias in that process, or even things like surveys. Instead, if we want to understand human behavior, an incredibly rich repertoire of insights comes from the field of psychology, the field of neuroscience, the field of the science of decision-making, this interdisciplinary repertoire tells us so much more about how people actually behave.
0: As opposed to what they say they will do.
1: That's right. It's very difficult for people, uh, if, if not impossible, right, for us to reliably see the biases in our own behavior. And so it makes it incredibly difficult if we're the consumer to share these biases with the company to help them develop good products and services
0: if i'm an executive in a business or a leader in any kind of organization how might i apply behavioral economics
1: there's a lot of really critical elements of scientific thinking and and i think that's for me what i believe is the most important starting point is to get organizations to understand and embrace scientific thinking. And there's some immediate practices that people can do, which is question your assumptions by asking the question, how do you know? And then undergoing the journey of the quality of evidence. If people say, ah, I, my assumption is based on a field experiment, then That knowledge is based on a much sturdier framework than knowledge that's based on intuition or on prior experience. Therefore, the first step an organization can take is to develop a discipline to be fearless in asking, how do you know, and having the barometer to evaluate the quality of evidence. You know, the second thing is something I'm also really passionate about, which is it's really important for us to uh, make a little shift in our our language in addition to using that question how do you know this would be to say it is my intuition that Mm. i know it sounds like i'm like raining Mm, down horribly on intuition but i I do think that our intuition is, is beautiful and can give us like tremendous insights but we also need to recognize that it's misguided. And, and so we need to appropriately label that which is coming to us from our intuition than that which is coming to us from things that we know from hard evidence. And here's why that's important. It's, it's an interaction effect. If I say, I think that X will happen versus it's my intuition that X will happen. Those are two, obviously, very different statements, not just in words, but in intent. When I say it's my intuition, I'm inviting skepticism. I'm inviting conversation. I'm inviting debate. I'm revealing that I don't have evidence. It's just my intuition. When Kelly Peters says, I think that the way to influence this behavior is to do X, well, There's a lot of authority that comes from that. There's a lot of ego that's loaded in that. And so now for you to question that seems as if you're questioning me and what I believe as a person, as opposed to us playing with the ideas on the table. And so we need to get away from I think that because it shuts down conversations and it makes debate something between egos as opposed to an exchange of ideas and mutually working towards the quality of evidence.
0: I love that. That is super helpful. Uh, And super helpful advice for business leaders out there. In this world where there's so much uncertainty and information travels so fast and it is hard to really make great calls because you're working with limited data and easy to make really bad calls it's so important for leaders to actually create the space for uh, inquiry and debate and conversation about what's true or what's not true. Where do you think in particular leaders would benefit from applying behavioral economics? Well, I think one of
1: the things that we like to say is wherever we have behavior, that's <laughs> where we can use behavioral Well, that behavioral narrows economics. it down, doesn't it? <laughs> At the risk of being guilty of of seeing kind of nails everywhere I, I look, and you know behavioral economics, whether yeah you know, we're driving kind of some of the classic marketing challenges, right? Like acquisition and retention and and pricing, behavioral economics is so much to offer those kinds of classic business challenges because again, it's just going to offer a very different way to understand how people make those choices. But it's also useful even when you're in the innovation space and you're trying to create a product or a service in the in the first place. Behavioral economics will give you insights that maybe you didn't have access to before that you can put together to develop those new products and services. That's on the marketing side. And on the strategy side, um, you can actually look to how you're even making decisions in the first place. You know, what is the organizational culture around scientific thinking. What kind of scientific literacy does the organization have and what is the quality and process around making decisions in the organization? And so that's probably the most meta level impact that behavioral science can have is actually on the overall decision making journey of of an organization in the first place.
0: I have to ask because it's so true for what's going on in the world today. Um, and the last question on behavioral economics for now is what, is, what is people's biggest misconception that you have found about behavioral economics? What do, they, what do they not know that you wish they knew?
1: I think one of the things I'd love people to understand about behavioral economics is the difference between data and evidence. Data science is an incredible friend for behavioral economics because it's the process of studying large amounts of observations and garnering inferences from it that can then let us, you know, have a better understanding of the world. But behavioral economics is is about going beyond studying observations of the world. It's about designing rigorous uh, experiments that adhere to the scientific method, which means introducing randomization of a sample and having a control against the experiment so we can see what the impact is, which then, when run, gives us evidence. And there's a huge difference then between data, which is developed in all kinds of ways, sometimes better quality (laughs) observations than than others. Whereas evidence, um, you know, by definition, uh, has been subjected to uh, a whole rigorous process in its design and evaluation. And so, Behavioral economics and the scientific method is about developing uh, insights that are, are causal and help us understand uh, the relationship between, you know, this and that, um, in in a different empirical way.
0: Boom! Spoken like a true scientist there. All right, I'm gonna let's switch gears. Let's go into a quickfire round now. This is the the quick like one or two word from the <laughs> I hesitate to say from the gut now. <laughs> You can say it's my intuition that if you want. Uh, Exactly. uh, For the quickfire round. So are you ready? I'm going to give you a quick question. Just take a moment to consider it and then just give me a one or two-word answer. What's the best way to measure impact?
1: The best way to measure impact is through a randomized controlled
0: test. Oh. Um, How do you keep yourself sane and... um, (laughs) happy?
1: (laughs) Um, I find it challenging when I'm battling uh, pseudoscientific belief, Um, but I keep myself sane by turning to the philosophers of science, Um, Massimo uh, Pigliucci, uh, Nancy Cartwright, uh, Richard Feynman. Uh, These are the folks that uh, help me believe that there is a better way of thinking, and that we're on that journey, uh, Stephen Pinker with his uh, empirically-backed uh, optimism, uh, Jonathan Haidt with his you know, rational evaluation of the role of po- you know, political bias and decision-making, uh, and for us to start to have those insights to help us cut through some of the most you know, challenging and emotionally-charged debates that we're having. Uh, we're developing scientific insights that are letting us uh, let cooler heads prevail.
0: I think you just gave us a great reading list, by the way. What thing are you most excited about right now?
1: I'm so excited about um, my passion for the scientific method and the journey that we're on to continuing to learn about you know, what impacts people's behavior and seeing our experiments come to life. We're working on projects in Chile to help curb uh, transit fare evasion. We're working on projects in Mexico to uh, help um, the the poorest people um, in in Mexico uh, manage their their credit behaviors and and repayment behaviors. Uh, we're working with uh, you know helping people make better financial decisions, um, energy conservation uh, behaviors, and even um, you know fun and important things like helping people have better cryptocurrency behaviors. <laughs>
0: Definitely Definitely a sign of the future. That was a lovely way to end, actually. That was just a really, really nice way to end and really thoughtful. Thank you so much, Kelly. That was delightful.
1: My pleasure.